is the Requimental Podcast, episode 69, Thorns.
You just heard Airy Descent by Thorns on the Requiem Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. <laughs> and we are visiting the Nordic wastelands of industrial post-apocalyptic black metal. And very possibly one of the bands that contributed to the second wave of black metal as we know it. Yeah, Thorns is... Um, boy... They're they're throwing us for a loop, that's for sure, as we're well, kind of doing some of this research. Yeah, I threw kind of out the, the analogy that they're almost too... They're to black metal what Repulsion was to death metal, as far as like being so prolific, but yet having you know one they're, studio record out. Yeah, they're like the big progenitors of like this you know sound, in a way. Yeah. Second generation sound. Well, and even... Uh, I probably pronounced his name was Snorri or Snurri or... Snorri. Yeah. Um, I mean, he contributed riffs to Demisterius Domsithanus, you know, probably one of the biggest black metal records as far as most influential, and everybody has that. And notorious, yeah. yeah, you know, in terms of... I mean, he was in prison for eight years for being an accomplice when he really was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, with uh, <laughs> with Count Grishnak yeah. when the, during the Euronymous murder, you know, so it, it's a... He, I don't know, there's probably a lot of you out there who are new maybe to, to metal, um... If, if you're new to metal in the last four or five years, there's a good chance you don't know who Thorns is. Um, well, even if you're you're not, they're never given a whole lot of... No, although I I would say that that one solo record that he put out in 2001 I mean, yeah. garnered a lot of attention. But I'm wondering how much people really knew the history of that. Oh, yeah, and just thought, oh, this is a cool record. Yeah, you know, it because that was, satiric, kind that was kind of the time that you know Red Harvest and similar things like that were coming out. But Yeah, for sure, and I mean... The song there, Airy Descent, you know, to, to trace the uh, the lineage of that song is, is very difficult. Um, we did our best. I mean, the first time that I think that shows up on a recording that you could actually buy was on the uh, Necropolis Nordic Metal tribute to Euronymous. Yeah, everything else was just, you know, it was just, fan-produced tapes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, demos and stuff. It was originally, well, I mean, where it surfaced demo-wise was on the Tronderton demo, which was put out in 1992. Recorded at a um, liberal arts college. Yeah, in Norway, <laughs> uh, to the Tronderton College, yeah. right, of music yeah. or something, or art school. So, I mean, and you can tell if you, I mean, just, I mean, go back and, and listen to that song again. It, it takes, I think it begs a couple of listens because there's just a lot of off-kiltering things happening from a compositional standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, um, very non-traditional kind of black metal things from that point, right? Well, it's something you'd, you'd almost think that you're going to have a blast beat with. Yeah. And it, it's just this slow plotting thing. Slow and, and has this, you know, uh, dis- very dissection-esque. Well, there's that riff in the middle riff. that sounds just like uh, the Into opening the tune Steps. Into the Fathomless Steps from Stormy yeah. Lights Bane, um, which is, in hindsight, kind of ironic because we're probably going to be doing a dissection show in the next couple weeks here. So, Well, that's that's good for our uh, research and whatnot. But, I mean, that that's a similar riff. I mean, that's a very – it's kind of indicative of, of the whole scene. It, it's That's almost a bridging riff between second-generation black metal and, you know, the Gothenburg yeah. style. Yeah, or the, later, you know, second generation Swedish death metal stuff. Yeah, the Naglfar dissection, yep. Dawn kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, it, it's such an eerie tune. The the bass thump that sort of starts it off. Uh, I, I was kind of comparing this song to like it's like the city slang of black metal. It's like the <laughs> song that's just like been around in so many different like versions. Mm-hmm. You know, the city slang is a Sonic's Rendezvous uh, tune, which a lot of people probably. You know, don't know much about Sonic's Rendezvous other than he was in MC5, but that song kind of became like. He's married to Pace Smith. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, they both have the same last name. 
Yeah, before they got married. Which is kind of, well, Smith, that's a pretty you know, True, common name. but it's kind of different, you know. <laughs> uh, it, but that, that was sort of like a, the theme song for like kind of Detroit garage rock in the 70s yeah. and 80s and stuff. And it kind of became an anthem uh, more than Well, and it was similar to that to this. It was like basically unheard of. Yeah, and it it's wasn't. Like nobody had it except if you had like bootleg tapes sure. or, you know, live shows. I think, it was on, I think it was one of the only Sonic songs that ever came out on a record. But it was like a seven inch maybe or something to until they finally put that uh oh it's actually it was on a 12 inch but it was 12 inch, it yeah. was on 30 it was not 33 78 okay because it's got another song on the other side I've yeah we got a reproduction of that yeah so i mean but anyways not to to get too into the detroit thing but airy descent you know like i said shows up in a lot of different places but the the it's hard to know what what influence this had you know you read a lot about how influential thorns was Mm -hmm. and then you you know i mean you look at the people that have wanted to work with him you know the fact that he was involved in mayhem as a second guitarist at a certain point the fact that when he finally puts a solo record together hellhammer's drumming with him satire's co-writing and singing a lot of these songs so and i've read in interviews that the story was actually pretty instrumental and if not coming up with satiricon riffs like like playing back and forth with him and having some kind of like maybe a, not necessarily a producer credit, but some kind of arrangement credit or something like that. Are you well. talking even in the early days? Or are you talking? No, Rebel, this is. Rebel I think Rebel, Extra- Rebel Extravaganza through, um, I believe, even um, Agenero. Really, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So I know I mean, they've had a kind of a tight relationship, and they've got really similar aesthetics as sure. well. Sure, and in a weird, I mean, so in a way, like you know, this guy could be responsible for you know part of the turn that Satyricon took. You know, in the direction yeah. that they went. Well, with I think Rebel. you had you had uh, well, Mayhem. They were kind of their own thing, largely you know punk influenced, if nothing mm-hmm. else. And then you've got Dark Throne and Burzum that are kind of their own thing. Yeah. And then diverging off that, I think is Thorns, and then we get Satyricon, Emperor, and, uh, Emperor, and Enslaved, and all this other weird offshoot. Well, the thing also that you hear in Airy Descent is obviously the keyboards. You know, and I mean almost the yeah. funeral keyboards, like at the end, which are kind of harken to the opening track um shivering voice of the ghost from gehenna, gehenna yeah. for spell i you know and, and we were racking our brains we were doing as much research as we possibly can using the internet and pulling cds out we pulled burzum out and old emperors and enslaved and satyricons to date it to see who was using keyboard before this yeah in in this sort of capacity i mean you we mentioned you know hammerheart from bathory uh, and Twilight of the Gods and, and some of that this, kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's never used as but a that wasn't like black metal. You know, by yeah. that point, it was Viking kind of stuff. And um, for the life of us, if, if you know, uh, let us know. Like, it, it, did somebody beat Thorns to the Punch? Because this stuff... As far as for, black metal goes, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, black metal and the... We're the not talking about Integrated use of, yeah. of keyboard in, in a certain sense. Because, you know, for my money, from what I can tell, Airy Descent is, is probably the first prominent use of, of well-integrated well, keyboard here in black we go. metal. Merciful Fate. If, depending on what well, you not, consider them. Not necessarily. I mean, I know Merciful Fate's a large influence on black metal. That's true. To a lot of degree. Not necessarily vocally, but as far as compositionally, I know Isan is a huge mm-hmm. fan of King Diamond. Or huge, he's a huge influence on Well, it. even Frost. I mean, yeah. Frost did some keyboard stuff. But I guess I'm thinking in the context of modern black metal. No, in the I, 90s, I, yeah, we couldn't you know? really. I'm just trying to think of so. like where that, where that kind of uh, lineage started. And outside of, you know, Celtic Frost. Uh, and then, you know king diamond through merciful fate or something i can't really think of many other people that are using it yeah yeah so it's 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 you know 
definitely an interesting argument to throw out there in, in a controversial way to the public is to say, you know, look, you know, what do you guys think out there? Is there, you know, do, are we giving these guy this guy too much credit, you know, in a way? But you know, and he's almost like this guy who's who's always like behind the scenes in all these different places that are like such key areas. Yeah, he of reminds black metal. me of he's like the Nicky Anderson of black metal. Yeah, with how like uh, oh hey dude uh, you know Fred Espy from Dismember here's a sweet riff you know you might want to try this one out. Yeah, and just yeah. with how he you know he was kind of like the guy and he's I don't, just always there. He was more I guess. And I guess he was more of a Euronymous as far as, like, uh, being out there, though. Mm-hmm. Snorius always seemed like he's, like, you know, kind of hidden in the shadows someplace. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't want Interesting the Interesting guy, yeah. I mean, we were just talking about whether or not you would ever see Thorns live. And, and I mean, our our gut instinct tells us, no, they're like Dark Throne, they're studio band. He's yeah. Just, I mean, the guy has put out one full release, full release record in 20 almost yeah, 20 years. But he's, he's had, like, some, some uh, ambient stuff as well oh has he yeah with uh the dude from third the mortal i believe i couldn't tell you the years oh. but i just looked that up no doubt that's um, cool but i could see him more like in the in a soundtrack kind of uh you know capacity more so than well, we'll ripping out metal we'll, we'll get to that and later on the show when we get into a solo record because there's a there's a two-piece collective piece mm-hmm. of music about 15 minutes long that we'll we'll be playing that's really like a the soundtrack to the apocalypse in some sense so but uh, anyways, Eerie Descent, the more I listen to that song, the more I like it. Uh, it, it just it, it keeps me interested, whereas a lot of like some of that older black metal stuff, sometimes it, it, you know, if you've heard it, it just kind of loses. I don't know. Well, it's one of those songs that, that's had, you know, it, it was at its embryonic stage, but it had some kind of spark there that it almost, you know, begs to have reinterpretations of it over yep, and over and over which again. Which we will get into a reinterpretation coming up in the next set so um where we're gonna go is is kind of show you the the kind of origins uh of of the thorn sound um we're gonna go to the two demos the the tronderton demo again which we talked about with a tune called funeral marches to the grave which we'll talk about in just a second and then uh, an instrumental tune from a entirely instrumental demo from 91 called the grimmerk uh demo uh grimark grimark yeah whatever yeah, it's a demo. Look on uh, Metal Encyclopedia. You'll see yeah. that's not how it's spelled. And uh, that tune's cool because it's it's instrumental, but it also like just has this like kind of it has the industrial grind to it still that that's going to become like the sound of Thorns yeah. in, in the later '90s. And one of the things you point out uh, is the prominence of the bass. It's in not all distorted of stuff, and it's yeah. clean. Yeah. So I mean, he's breaking a lot of rules before the rules were even set, and that's why I think I like about this guy. You know, like he's right there at the beginning of black metal, as we know it and think about it. Yeah, the second it. generation, and, and he really, you know, he's just doing whatever he wants, and nobody was calling him out on it. In fact, I think a lot of people were probably looking at him and, and kind of using that as influence. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, Satyricon, obviously, as you already mentioned, but I, I'd beg to differ. You know, that like Arcturus and Emperor, in terms of the shifts that Emperor made away from, oh yeah, you know what they were doing in their demo days. I mean, that was clearly not coming from Mayhem. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Mayhem and Dark Throne were doing straightforward black metal. Somebody had to be building that avant-garde part of black metal and the keyboards and the, the more experimental compositional parts. Yeah, not being afraid to bring in electronics. Yeah, and, and definitely you can hear it in some of this sort of stuff. So, uh, so we're yeah, we're going to hear Funeral Marches of the Grave, which... Uh, you were talking about the tremolo stuff kind of going out at the, the end of this tune. Yeah, he's doing that really weird... Um 
where he'll be doing you know the typical uh, you know Swedish death metal tremolous super fast style picking. Yeah. And uh, instead of like just holding a note, he's, he's like sliding up and down the string, almost like making it sound like it's out of tune or something. Yeah. Like really interesting technique. It's kind of uncomfortable, but in yeah. a cool way, like yeah. unsettling in, in a certain sense. Um, and then like where we talked about fall being just sort of a short instrumental tune. And then we're gonna kind of round things uh, with a reinterpretation of Area Descent, which comes from 1998, uh, the Thorns vs. Emperor record. So uh, it might sound familiar, but it'll be slightly different. So enjoy Funeral Marches to the Grave.
was the 1998 version of Airy Descent uh, from the Thorns vs. Emperor record. And then we had Fall and Fear and Marches to the Grave before that. Um, what are some of the differences in that Thorns vs. Emperor version? The uh, I'm definitely not a musician, or you know, definitely not a musician. But uh, the the I, I I really try to pick this stuff out a lot, and from whatever documentaries or other mm-hmm. musicians, and it seems like he's almost tuning everything sharp, like whatever his guitar tuning is. I'm guessing it's probably like you know C. It's definitely not D. Uh, tuning everything sharp, and then you know really going high in the game. So every time he's he does any kind of like it holds a, a chord out, it almost sounds like a like a harmonic. Okay. Like if you hold your finger over the little dots on the, the neck, whatever the hell those are called, you can get a harmonic okay. off of each one of those. It ha- kind of has that feel, but he's using that and then playing almost counter to the drum beat, like holding out those notes a little bit longer to make it that much more uncomfortable. Yeah. I think. Because somehow, you know, I mean, he takes a song that's in its original incarnation, five minutes, doesn't really add new movements really or anything except at the end it sort of gets ambient there a little bit longer for probably about a minute but he somehow adds three and a half minutes to the song Mm -hmm. i mean it's almost like it it, it's kind of a really interesting reinterpretation because like you said he's holding all these notes out and it it almost like every time you're holding that note you add all those together and it just sort of spreads the song out a little bit more yeah you know in a weird sort of way you know it definitely makes it more eerie yeah and and now you're starting to see the kind of the post-apocalyptic, I guess what I would call like industrial black metal, mm-hmm. razor sharp kind of sound coming out. When did Rebel Extravaganza come out from Satyricon? That was ninety eight. Was it ninety eight or ninety nine? Okay, yeah, it was somewhere in that yeah. same time period as the Thorns versus Emperor record, which I think he must have just been getting out of prison around this time. Yeah, had to because he was yeah he's in for eight years. Yeah, eight years. So. Still, he didn't go into 90 unless he was recording stuff in prison. Because uh, when's Euronymous taken out? 92? Well, you know, oh, Norwegian eight, prisons eight are kind of... Uh, with, uh, but maybe two years off from good behavior well, or something they, like Well, you can get out to do stuff, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, so it's maybe still, got out. It's, that's, that's what socialism's about, guys. It's yeah, good stuff. Go. It's not this crap not, that they're not trying. just healthcare. It's, it's, it's prisoners <laughs> getting to make great black metal records. And, and yeah. really, look at all the prisoners we have in the United States. We can make some killer... Yeah, because I think, uh, no, because Bart Faust was in for like 15 years. Yeah, but he wasn't. No, he, like was. he was. Was he really? Yeah, because when he came, when he got out, is he that did like, that scum record. That's when he did the scum with the Turbo Negro and the yeah, dude and the from, douche Amen. from Amen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he was in, he was in for his full sentence. Okay. Huh. So, uh, interesting. And, well, what's what was uh, Nightside Eclipse? When was that recorded? Well, it was recorded in 93, but didn't get put out till 95 because of Sam Alt's church burning shit. So, so uh, Bard went in 93? I think let's so. Let's say? Yeah. 93 and got out in probably 2002? Three? Yeah, but that wasn't 15 years. No, maybe he didn't go for the full time. Yeah. Uh, our math is bad. We're, we're trying to restructure the whole Norwegian <laughs> prison system here, so we really should have Lords of Chaos open and be like cross-referencing things. But I wish, yeah, I wish Lords of Chaos wasn't so much like a played like a soap opera and it was yeah. a little bit more factual. But it'd be nice to have just like a like a timeline. Like, yeah, this is when this. Yeah, like if it was put up together like Swedish death metal was. Yeah. I'd like something that's a little less, you know, a little more objective than 
that, but I guess the appeal of, is of, of black it's metal is so sensational. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why you get those kind of teeny boppers kind of drawn, like, you know, mosquitoes to a, a light or something, or moss. Well, there's really never flame. been any, uh, you know, musical faction that's that's been so controversial as far as, like, you know, seriously, like, killing and murder. Yeah, and, and confrontation. Yeah, it's... I mean, it harkens back. It's like taking what happened in England and like with the punk scene in the late seventies with you know Sid and Nancy and Johnny Rotten and just all the crazy you know swearing and breaking stuff on television and like well making it real, amping it to a, a whole new level. Yeah. yeah, actually having real terror there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, even though it was just a bunch of kids, but still, I mean, real terror outside of some dude throwing a television out a window. You know, it's like yeah. You know, well, I remember uh, I remember Coon telling me he used to he had like nightmares about. Uh, this is back like freshman or sophomore year in high school because when I bought the Day Mysterious album used, yeah. he he like saw the picture of Euronymous on the back or whatever, and he goes, "I've had dreams about that guy," and he was like really freaked out, you know. So those guys, because of the face paint and everything, I mean, yeah. they add an element of like, who are these people? You know, worship the devil and do all this weird stuff, and that unfortunately, gets, well, story I mean, got mixed look at, up. It's in got all that. it's got this exactly same appeal as like as as rap music. Yeah. I mean, with all the the deaths, and I mean, that's the only other genre of music I can compare that with, as far as the the drama. Yeah, but it's I guess it's not as mainstream accessible. And look at all the you know documentaries and movies that have been done about Tupac and B, you know Notorious B.I.G. and yeah. I mean all that stuff because it was a you know pretty dramatic thing. But you know, but speaking Mark of Notorious so B.I.G. B.I.G. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's get back to Thorns. Uh, but yeah, you know, some so you're hearing more drawn out kind of things, um, and I, I don't know. So whether or not he recorded this in or out of prison, uh, I can't confirm at this point. But well, and with, if it's anything like the prison system over here, who knows when the hell he went in? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So, uh, but Thorns versus Emperor was a pretty. That was a release both Mark and I kind of skipped. Um, which well, is it's got, a, it's got a crap cover. Yeah, it's a horrible cover. But that's actually Did Season of Mist put that out. Moonfog put it out. Moonfog did. Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember. It was some. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a Seasons of Mist like cover for their aesthetic back then. Yeah, um, yeah, that was definitely that was that was around the time. Well, actually, like Dark Throne was on Moonfog at that point, and um, oh god, who Cold? Oh the yeah, K H O L D one. Yeah, um, it was. I mean, because it was a pretty interesting burgeoning label at that point. I don't know what the hell they're doing now, but. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't get that. That was just kind of stupid. Yeah, I saw I saw it so many times, and I, I even had friends. I just saw it on Amazon last year, and it was about uh, like eleven bucks. And I was like, Yeah, I'll get it some, at some point. It's out of print now, isn't it? Yeah. Dang it! It's probably been out of print for a long time, but like, it's people are picking the thing up, and it's yeah. the price is going through the roof. So, so. If you got a copy of it? Hang on to it, or or send, send it to us if you yeah. want. I'll give you my PO box. There you go. Yeah, we'll it's take a great one. donation. We'll take one. But now, uh, after that, this is sort of his coming out party, I guess, in a way, his comeback, you know, 98, and this sort of sets in motion, you know, he's going to work alongside. Well, that, that was actually the point of the Thorns versus Emperor, was to reintroduce, reintroduce people to, to, you know, to Thorns, which, I, I, honestly, I had no idea who the hell they were at the time. It, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, right before kind of like the big, you know, 2001 record. Sure. And and by by this point, we're really just talking about Snorri, right? Because, um you know, Faust had played drums on some of the stuff we heard in that last set, Bard Faust. Yeah, he uh, only played with them until, like, uh, I think 92. So, there's 92, just, that, yeah. just that demo stuff, you know. Um, and so, I think he's the only, like, guy who is even part of Thorns. Yeah, I think he's pretty much the mastermind yeah. behind it. So, and he kind of becomes a one-man band uh, on his solo record, which we're going to kind of jump into. And this solo record, uh, self-titled, 
was put out by on Moonfog in 2001. So we're talking about a guy who was recording his demos in 89, 90, 91. Well, this was actually recorded um, from 80 or from 98 to 2000. He, wow, he spent so he spent three years on this record. Yeah, that makes sense because I mean, it's he hasn't I mean, done a follow up yet. Yeah, he plays. Yeah, he plays bass. I think he does a little bit of vocals, not very much, but bass, guitars, electronics. Yeah. And then we've got Hellhammer on drums, um, Satir, Satiricon, uh, Satir von Graven on vocals, and then this other dude named that I forget. Um, I'm trying to remember what the other guy's name is. I have it handy here in a second. But it's uh, Bjorn, Bjorn Denker. Okay. So we'll have to cross-reference him, maybe look him up. It's not a Bath's name, is it? I... Yeah. There's because there, there's so many songs coming up. That there's some stuff that sounds a lot like a bath. Very ravishing grimness. Yeah. <laughs> Although, well, you hear a little bit more of that in the World Playground Deceit. Yeah. In a way, but I think it's just Satir yeah. does with his voice. So, but we're gonna hear the opening number, which is Existence, which just has this like pummeling, like it, uh, it's just like cyber black metal. I mean, it just sounds but in a good like, way. Yeah, it's razor sharp than the way like, that like, uh, Rebel Extravaganza was. Yeah, yeah, like it definitely has that metal. It, it, it takes the uh, cyber metal is a bad like, choice of words. Sorry, I said that. <laughs> anytime I just hear, I just think of that Billy Idol oh. cyberpunk record. <laughs> but uh, no, they they take like that the kind of like you know ferocity that you get from like a ministry, you know, later ministry record or something. Not the crap they put on the last couple of years, but you know, like Psalm sixty nine or even reminds a terrible thing to taste like. Mm-hmm. That stuff was like it seemed dangerous at the time when you heard sure. it. Sure, yeah. And uh, there's never any like, oh, this is like skinny puppy or something, dude, or you know, any, any kind of like all this. There's no, there's no stigma. Yeah, it was like the soundtrack to like the end of the world in a way. Yeah, but not in like a cheesy like Hollywood. Kind oh, it's just of way. like what? Yeah, what? You, what instruments can we use to really you know get our ideas across and not try to just like peg ourselves in a lower black metal? So obviously we can't use sure. electronics, but. Yeah. No, it's really artfully done on this record. Yeah, and then, um, so we're going to hear Existence, and then World Playground Deceit, which has this incredible breakdown about two and a half minutes in. It's a That's where you hear the a bathy yeah. kind of talking vocals, yeah. the Popeye you know, vocals. <laughs> and uh, then we'll close things out with Stellar Master Elite, which we'll talk about that tune when we come back. So enjoy uh, some solo thorns.
stellar master elite world playground deceit in existence. There's right. kind of a nice rhyme, rhyming pattern yeah. to those tunes. For being a second language, it's not bad. Yeah. And uh, Stellar Master Elite, uh, very satiricon So if you haven't heard Rebel Extravaganza from Satyricon, that was a kind of a, almost like a little flavor. Yeah, and if you haven't, shame on you, because that's a fantastic record. And totally underrated. For totally sure. underrated. I remember when we did the Satyricon podcast last summer, we, we talked a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Just how it, you know it's kind of sold so short. I think it's probably their best record. To tell you the truth, it's my favorite. I like it way more than them. Stavinia. As far as like it's it's their own sound. Yeah, it's hard for me and to pick a experimental. Pick a favorite satiricon. I don't know. I mean, well, they've got their different eras, but I think as far as like if I, I had think just volcanoes to, probably still my favorite. But if I own one record, it would you know? be that. Really, one one of satiricon's records would probably be that one. Uh, you've always been kind of the the big defender of that record. <laughs> I mean, you got I'm me a into of a lot of records. You got me into that record. Yeah. Know? So. Well, here my thing is, I listen to records until they make sense to me. If I if I don't get them right away. Yeah. And because I when I when I was younger, I just like if I didn't right away get something, I just and not everything's to get, but yeah. I mean, I think I think there's something to crap uh, is crap sometimes. You know? Yeah, because I mean, I'll, I'll throw on like uh, for like for something recently. Well, like the the new Paradise Lost that we got an advance of. Yeah. Um. I, I, I throw. I probably listen to that thing like thirty times, just because I'll sit at the art desk and I'll be doing work all day with that thing, you know, going on. So I'm able to, I guess, dissect the thing more and pick. Yeah. More so than because I'm, I'm kind of curious to like anybody that writes reviews out there. How many times do you listen to an album before you write a review on it? Yeah. As a former reviewer, I can say that like sometimes, you know, sometimes you can only get through two or three listens of a record because you don't really want to like get any deeper than it. Yeah, you know, and and that's unfortunate because you're probably you're right, probably selling the band short in some level. And not yeah, not every band's worth listening to the band, the, you know, things that many times. But Paradise Lost has, nuts, has but, earned it. You know, yeah. Mortals earned it. You know, Thorns, Tyrkon, these kind of bands have earned it because of their reputation and because of the quality of their songwriting in those years. I mean, yeah, know. I mean, I, I don't go out and get like a, a Godsmack record and listen to it for forty times just because I know there's got to be something there. Yeah, there, there are bands that have had a good track record, I guess, and sure. You know, never prove me wrong but i guess back to thorns yeah no but I, <laughs> no but i i think you you know this is one of those records though i've had this since it came out yeah and every I, time i listen to it listen to maybe two or three choice tracks back in the day but now i listen to the whole thing all the way through and it works as like kind of a single single vision of music i mean it it, it really is the soundtrack to the apocalypse as we're going to kind of be getting into in their kind of final set of music coming up here from this record where it gets a little bit more soundtracky, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. You know, isn't that the name that Slayer box on? Was it soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> my bad. I'm such a I'm such a bad you know bad Slayer fan that it sort of like pours out of me sometimes. I don't even oh, notice it. Thing. What's that? I mean, that's that's just a good descriptor. Yeah, there you go. But the, what you heard, like Stellar Master Elite, I guess when you talk about why is it such a satiricon song, what what kind of elements are you hearing in, in a tune like that? That well, make those, it those power chords in, in the middle, that they're just a dan, da, 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 the stuff we hear a little bit later on, like in Volcano and even on, now uh, Diabolical, now Diabolical, and, and uh, Age of Nero, Age of Nero, yeah. where it's almost like satiricon now seems they're like the queens of the Stone Age of black metal to me. Totally, and not in a derogatory way. No, simple but like kind of triumphant like fun like just straightforward kind of rock yeah. and roll kind of element to yeah. it. turbo negro you know to to some extent 
Musically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that's, you that's know. a band I think we need to approach on this show. I, I think we I think we should pretty soon. I mean, just I, do an Apocalypse Dude show. Yeah, that's a Hall of Fame record yeah. right there. For sure. Well, because I was thinking because Satyricon is on that Turbo Negro tribute record. Uh, I think they do... Um, I know Queens of Stone Age does Dungaree High, back to Dungaree High. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I even have that, you know? Really? I've got it. Satyricon's version is pretty sweet. God, it's going to bug me, whatever It's not Denim was. Demon or something, is it? No, nah, it's, it's, they change the words in it. Oh, they throw Satan or something in it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to hear this once yeah. the show's over. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Sorry to bring up too much Satyricon. Hey, but they're Norwegian, so. Yeah, well, but also, you know, we're talking, Satir is playing on these songs and singing on them, so yeah. I mean, it, it evokes that, that memory, but... Where we're sort of going next, and oh, one one other thing we were talking about while we were listening to the the that last set of music is, you know, Hellhammer is so known for his kind of over the top velocity. I mean, his and precision, yeah, and his yeah. I mean, he, his attack of the, the the drums and how prominent that is in Mayhem and in all the bands that he's sort of been a part of. I mean, even Arcturus to some extent. Oh yeah, him and the keyboards were like the the big feature on the especially Aspira. He was like the most lush part of the production, yeah. yeah. Well, and then Garm would scream over top of that, and it was sort of the beauty and the beast kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the dichotomy. But what are you hearing on, on this Thorns record with Hellhammer, I guess, that's well, kind of interesting to you? I guess similar to um, kind of like how Oliver, how we talked about a couple weeks ago with uh, Nathan's Madrigal, how they're playing really well, but they produce it like really harshly. Mm-hmm. And that's the same. It's it's, an, it's like a it's a ballsy choice for you to bring in a. a I mean, it, he's a Hellhammer's known for his precision, his speed, whatever. He's got a certain sound that and he usually plays with click tracks and um, you know everything sounds snappy and it's all there. Like listen to the new stuff he does on Demon Warger. Yeah. But then Snorri and uh, and uh, I guess Satir. I'm not sure what Satir's extent was to the production. He's a co-producer. You know. Um, they bury it. Yeah. Which I think is a really kind of cool idea, and in it, I mean, it, it, if you put just straightly straight, really high produced Hellhammer drums on the top of this thing, I don't think you'd have the same feeling. No, I mean, it feels more entrenched, like it fell into the music. <laughs> well, and that adds to the industrial collapse, apocalyptic yeah. kind of thing, you know, of, of how the composition is, is sort of set mm-hmm. up in a way. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me, in a sense. I mean, you brought up obviously Nathan's Madrigal, but it also reminds me, like on. When you had to, when you listen to like anthems of the welcome of dusk, the the second kind of full length uh, emperor record, the first few times you listen to that, you're missing so much because of how buried in it is. Mm-hmm. And, and there's certain parts like in certain songs where Isan is doing some of the craziest black metal soloing I've ever seen, but I didn't know it until I saw a video of him playing the song, and I was like. Why is it? I mean, because his fingers are going everywhere. Distortion. It's so yeah. it's so drenched in, and then that that's what's you know going back. I feel like every time I listen to that record in particular, I pull something new out. Like there's more sounds that I'm getting out of it. So I feel like that's what's going on with Thorns. I mean, every time yeah. you hear this sort of stuff, you're you know Satyricon, Rebel Extravaganza, same deal. You know, you're well, and extrapolating the more, things as we've talked about probably in the last three or four shows now but the more different kinds of music you hear too you go back and listen to stuff the more you pull out the yeah. more you'll you'll notice yeah because you're you're almost trained to to look for things that you weren't the first time mm-hmm. you listened to it you know i mean 2001 so yeah i mean um, the, the album holds up just as well you know eight years later sure and this this album we were talking about too uh during the break when we were playing music 
did very well from a critical standpoint. I mean, uh, Terrorizer picked it as album of the year, which mm-hmm. is, you know, no, you know, well, no, back no then, small feat. Terrorizer is pretty much, you know, uh, the bee's knees as far as, you know, extreme magazines went. Sure. I mean, we had Metal, Metal Maniacs, Maniacs in the States yeah. and been various zines, but as far as high profile, it was yeah. kind of, it was an interesting choice. Yeah. So Thorns, I mean, Thorns really kind of made its mark when it, when it came out, you know, Kerrang freaked out about it, Metal mm-hmm. Hammer, you know, various magazines around the world internationally. So, uh, but we're going to kind of close things out tonight with two of the more, I guess, atmospheric tunes, which I guess in a way recall elements of Airy Descent, which we started the whole show off with. Um, underneath the universe part two we were going to play part one but then as we were sort of listening to it we realized just it's so ambient and, and almost it's, it's a little sparse for the podcast yeah anyway. it's something that begs for you to go and buy this record sit down with headphones turn the lights off which i was telling mark i used to do with these two songs and just sort of lose yourself in the, like the soundscape of it you mm-hmm. know i mean it almost has like a uh, um angela battle mary uh, Balamante uh, kind of feel to it. The, mm-hmm. the guy who scored Twin Peaks, oh, yeah. and, you know, Mulholland Drive, and um, it just the just unease. You know, it, it's so ambient. It reminds me of the last tune uh, on Shamir's Arcturus record that we talked about a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, where there's this very much like. I don't know, just a cosmic sort of soundscape to it, but this is far creepier. So it's something that movie. demands to be listed, like it demands your undivided attention. Yeah. Which I don't, I mean, music's a kind of a constant fixture in my life. I'd like to be able to sit down more and actually just soak it in. Yeah. Which is, that's a great part of this podcast is we get to do yeah. that. It kind of forces <laughs> up to yeah. soak some of the stuff in. So And to pontificate, yeah. you know, sometimes aimlessly, but sometimes uh, get some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed, you know, some of the stuff that we've kind of had to say tonight. I mean, Thorns, as it's almost as in the midst of like doing this show, I think Mark and I have both kind of discovered a new appreciation for not just this, you know, solo record, but even the older stuff. I mean, yeah. like it, it's almost like I had heard it, but I had never really like listened to it before. You know, I hadn't like and sat it's down. Kind of primitive as the recording is. There's pretty interesting ideas going on there for you know oh, for 1991 sure. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's this collision of sounds, you mm-hmm. know, keyboards and electronics and and all this kind of stuff. And you hear a little bit of that in our final song tonight, which is Vortex, uh, kind of the, it's a closing track of the the, the record and a, a good good way to end the show. So we've got underneath the universe part two. Uh, which just, I don't know, a very un- unnerving tune. I-, I dig it. And then Vortex, which is going to sort of close things out. So, you know, let us know about what you thought. You know, some of the controversial things we said at the beginning of the show about, you know, how much credit do we give Thorns? You know, what do you think about that question? You know, shoot us, shoot us some ideas or thoughts on that. Or show suggestions or criticism, any anything mm-hmm. like that. So uh, shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail.com or check out the website. Which is requiempodcast.com or go to our Facebook page, which is requiempodcast. Yeah, I think it's facebook.com forward slash requiempodcast. If I'm not mistaken, is that what it is? Okay. Well, if not, you just look up requiempodcast and you'll either see my solo account, your solo account, or the joint Mark and Jason the Mark account. Mark and Jason account. And yeah. we've been getting really good feedback on there from people, so we, uh, sure. we really appreciate that. Yep. And uh, we're always looking for show ideas and things like that. And then, obviously, look on the website for some links to some of these records mm-hmm. uh, that we put up there, which helps us out with uh, show costs and things like that. Yeah, they've been going into the uh, editor's playlist uh, sidebar. 
Yeah. So uh, look at those every every show. We'll yeah. put some new stuff up there, and that gives us a little bit of kickback. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, for Recommend Metal Podcast, I'm Jason. And I'm Mark. Enjoy Underneath the Universe and Vortex.